Take your Bible and turn to Jude. Let's turn to Jude here. Thanks for having some fun. I've been so encouraged through the spirit that you've brought the chapel. And uh, I remember college, what great memories uh, that I made in college. And I hope you're making some great memories as well. And uh, I really do miss chapel. This is one of the things that I miss the most about not being in college anymore. And uh, I hope you'll take advantage of the great opportunities to grow in God's Word right here in this building. I want to thank Dr. Chapel for allowing me the privilege to speak. And Dr. Getch, thank you so much for letting me come into chapel today, having some fun, and, uh, and then diving into God's Word. Jude, and we're going to look at uh, a few verses here towards the end of the chapter. But for the sake of time, let me re- read our main text. And that'll be verse 21. Keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now today we're going to speak on the topic of all in Christianity. Now being all in, it would be very foreign for us to think of a Marine, somebody in the military that would not be all in. If they, if they were not all in, of course, victory would not be attainable. They have to be ready. They have to be focused. They have to be all in, ready to act when duty calls. For Christians today, it's easy to find Christians who are halfway in or maybe a majority in, but not completely all in. All in Christians are really Christians who heed biblical warnings that we're going to notice in just a second. They're Christians that humbly serve and they're Christians that have compassion and make a difference for Jesus Christ. Jude is exhorting Christians here to be all in for Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ for us was all in? He didn't just halfway walk up the hill and he didn't just halfway come out of the grave. He literally came out all the way. He literally died all the way for you and I. And he expects the same from us. Somebody once said, thank you, Jesus, for making salvation so rich and so free. My whole life I give back to thee. And we should be all in. Jude is writing to Christians and he says in verse three, I wanted to write about salvation. I wanted to write about, maybe it was justification, sanctification, glorification. He wanted to write about uh, uh, salvation of some fact, but he said the Holy Spirit led him to write to Christians to contend for the faith. He he continues there in verses 4 all the way down through 16 to talk about how men have crept in unawares and they're uh, distorting the doctrine. They're teaching false doctrine. And these false teachers are seducing Christians. One thing that I've noticed in my Bible study as of recently is the seduction is nothing new. In Genesis chapter 3, we see uh, Satan rising the first question, hath God really said? If you drop down uh, in your, where you are now, Jude 11, it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Of course, in Genesis chapter 4, we see that process of time came where Cain thought creatively, trying to make his own way to heaven, a works-based salvation. If you go to Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy 13 talks about how certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods. 
Jude is warning Christians to beware of the apostasy, beware of the false teachers. And it's nothing new. And he's going to see, we're going to see that here in just a second. So he begins here today in Jude, verse 17, with a reminder to remember. Notice verse number five with me in Jude. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this. Jude is saying, I'm not writing anything new to you. You've already known this, but I want you to remember this reminder that was already given. Now, warning signs are helpful. I like the one here on the, uh, the left, warning to hikers, unexploded artillery shells. I'm going to walk very carefully on that trail. I like the one that says, caution uh, falling cows. I'm not sure how that one works. And then, of course, quicksand, do not enter. Warning signs are helpful. And Jude is approaching these Christians through his letter with a warning. Look at verse 17. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Jude is warning these Christians about substitutes. Remember the reminders, they're substitutes, and wherever there's an authentic, there will always be a counterfeit. And Jude is talking about this counterfeit here in their day, and it's here in our day even as well. This substitute of thinking creatively of how to get a person to heaven. Satan can substitute, he can't substitute his own lies without first doing away with God's word. God's word exposes the deceitfulness of Satan and he does away with God's word. And if he can't argue it away, he'll laugh it away. And he can usually get other people to laugh with him against God's word. And Jude is, is warning Christians, be careful there's substitutes in your midst. Second Peter talked about how this would be the case. But there were false prophets also among the people, who as they, there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. With the false teachers popping up in that day, there was a litmus test that the early churches did. And they asked the question, is this what the apostles taught? Of course, the apostles were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ, and the faith had been passed to the apostles. We know that in Acts chapter 2, where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the, in the apostles' doctrine. I read this a few weeks ago in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I was so excited there in my dining room. I almost ran around my house, woke up all my kids, threw fists through my walls, but I was just so excited to see this when I saw verse number 16 in 2 Peter. For we have not followed after cunning devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember what we're talking about. We're talking about substitutes. And the litmus test is to test it against God's word. What did the apostles teach? And Peter said in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, But were eyewitnesses of his majesty, we have also a more sure word. Testing the apostasy, testing the substitutes through God's word. How thankful I was to see, wow, I'm, I'm literally reading an eyewitness account of Jesus Christ. But then notice there in Jude, look, look down in verse number 19 about these false teachers. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. They're substitutes, they're scandalous in their living. 
They're disgraceful, literally just worldly individuals causing division. Of course, Acts has much to say about the church, and Acts chapter 20 reminds us, also of our own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. All in Christianity will heed the reminder, but I want to spend our time right here, verses 20 and 21, they'll resume their responsibilities. I want you to notice this in in Jude. Look at verse number 20 with me. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. You know, runners don't give up when they see the finish line. Now, for instance, I, uh, I didn't have uh, finish, uh, finish line tape. I could only find caution tape, okay? So we're going we're gonna to have some fun here this morning. If I could use you, you two guys. I want you right here to stand right here. And I want you to hold this other side here. And uh, there you go. Thank you so much for helping with that. Runners don't quit when they see the finish line. Jude's exhorting Christians and saying, hey, be careful, beware. There's substitutes and there's leaders who will act spiritual, but their lives are scandalous. They're just disgraceful to the cause of Christ. But for you, look at that. But beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. I don't know if you ever feel this way. But sometimes I feel like, you know what, after you look at the news, after you look at all that's going on in the world, Jesus is almost here. What's the point? Man, I want to see a big church built and see God bring revival. Uh, I'm on right here at the cusp of the rapture. What's the point? And here you are studying in college and you might get discouraged to think, you know what, I'm just going to kind of hold on. Jesus is almost here. And we could almost have that approach. And sometimes I get discouraged in that way. But runners don't see the finish line and say, you know what? I'm almost, wow, did you see the time? I'm not going to finish the race. That's not, a, that's not what a runner's going to do. A runner's not going to say, okay, I'm running for the Lord. There's the finish line. Okay, I'm almost there. Look at that donut shop over there. They're not going to, well, I might, but uh, <laughs> the only reason I'm going to run is because there is caution tape up, not because there would actually be a finish line. I hate to run. But I'm talking about our Christian. Well, a Christian who's running the race and sees the finish line, the return of the Lord is imminent, isn't going to say, you know what, building up my faith, looking to Jesus, keeping myself in love, praying, I'm almost there. Some of us won't give our full effort because we can get discouraged of like, maybe I won't be used in my generation because the return of Christ is so close and it should be the exact opposite. It ought to be, I see the finish line and I'm going to plunge through that thing with my very best effort. Men, thank you so much. I'll take the finish line with me here. And Jude here is writing to Christians and he's saying, beware of the apostasy, but now beloved, build up your faith. Of course, what we build our faith upon is the Lord Jesus Christ and his words. You know, all in Christianity is all in in heeding the warnings, but it's all in with intentional decision making. You know, we rarely do things unintentionally. This morning, you intentionally got ready. You intentionally put your outfit together. You intentionally came to chapel. You never unintentionally eat food. If you do, that's, that's weird. I mean, like the food starts coming in. No, you, you intentionally feed yourself. You intentionally go to work. You intentionally 
pass your classes. You you are intentional with the decisions that you're making. So often we approach our Christian life unintentionally. Well, I'm uh, praise God I trusted Christ. That was close because we're in the end times. I'm going to go to heaven. Praise God that you trusted Christ. But it's not like you just all of a sudden a, a switch flipped and you just become spiritual and start floating around and naturally make the right decisions. I don't know where we got this unbiblical philosophy of thinking of unintentional growth. Christian growth is very intentional if you're going to be all in. And he says here in verse 20, keep building upon yourselves your most holy faith. The foundation of God's word. Watchman Nee, the great pastor in China, his church used to have the philosophy or the saying, no Bible, no breakfast. Very intentional when it came to building their faith. But then he says here in verse 20, keep praying, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, this is the power for building. You know, I think we could come up today with, you know, if there's a couple hundred people here, we could probably come up with a couple hundred excuses of reasons not to pray. I assume we could name all of those today, but potentially one of the, uh, one of the trickiest tricks of Satan is to substitute the good for what's better. Sometimes our good schedules can get in the way of honestly pursuing what's best, and the best is praying. One of Satan's trickiest tricks is to destroy the best with the good. Martin Luther was once asked what his plans were for the following day. And Martin Luther answered, Work, work from early until late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Somebody once said, He who is too busy to pray will be too busy to live a holy life. A life growing in its purity and devotion will certainly be a life that's growing in their prayer. Ian Bounds said, prayer can do anything that God can do. Warning, remember the reminders of past apostles, test these false teachers by the word of God, by the doctrine that was entrusted to us. But Christians, don't get discouraged, keep building, keep praying, and keep loving. Notice verse 21, where Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. You know, Christians, and I'm right here with you, I I struggle with these things as well. Sometimes we're incredibly good at staying comfortable. You know, we can sit in chapel, we can pass our classes, and we're comfortable. That's why I'm so thankful for John Downey. I'll tell you, John Downey, when I came as a freshman, I often tell people, if it wasn't for John, I would not be here. And I mean that. He got me out of my comfort zone. He helped me to see that it wasn't about me, but about, it was about serving and loving God. And he put me up in front of bus route three, and I preached for about 30 seconds, and I hated it. It was terrible. It was, it was out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone was still seated there on the bus, and I was up in front of people. You know, oftentimes we can become comfortable. We're good at keeping in the realm of knowledge rather than expressing faith. We're good at keeping God in our little box of called our plans rather than experiencing the faith that he wants us to exert for his glory. The Bible says in 1 John, we love him because he first loved us. 
John 14 says, if we love, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Do you ever wonder like what in the world would keep a missionary in the midst of a jungle when bullets are flying around? Do you ever wonder like what keeps a soul winner out knocking those extra doors when he hasn't been able to share the gospel that week? Do you ever wonder what would keep a pastor in the same location for 36 years? You ever wonder, like, for instance, the example of Dr. Getch, who's faithfully preached tens of thousands of sermons, continually searching for revival? Do you ever wonder, like, what a staff member who faithfully just does behind-the-scenes serving in love with the church that they serve at, do you ever wonder, like, what would keep a person in that place? They've learned how to keep their love centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. They've learned to keep themselves in the love of God. Of course, Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, he said, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that we have died, it died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. How great is God's love for us. How thankful I am that he loved me before I loved him. How thankful he came to die for me. The least I could do is love him. My wife, she's awesome. And in fact, I'm going to get myself in trouble. She doesn't even know that she's making the cookies yet. But uh, Martin, you're going to get those cookies. I know I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to make up for that one later on. But they're going to be delicious. I'll help her, okay? My wife, sometimes throughout the year... I'll be doing the grocery shopping or whatever. Our schedules get busy. And I'll pick up raspberries for my wife. And I'll bring them home to my wife. And she'll say, you know, this is a reminder that you love me. Because I don't even like raspberries. But sometimes when I'm out shopping, I'll say, oh, Gloria would love these raspberries. What are you doing right now just to prove your love for God? Are you loving God? Are you building on your faith? Or are you like, you know what, I'm just going to hold on. He's almost here anyway. Jesus is coming. Yes, Jesus is coming again. Don't turn away from the finish line. Press forward to the finish line and keep building, keep praying, and keep loving God. Keep serving and following after Him. But it doesn't stop there. Keep looking. Look there in verse 21. It says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, what a day that will be. Could you, could you picture that day, seeing Christ face to face. Of course, this is speaking of the blessed hope that Titus, or Paul's writing to Titus, communicated, looking for that blessed hope. You know, somebody once said, when we look up, we clean up, so we're not embarrassed when Jesus shows up. When we look up, we clean up, so we're not embarrassed when Jesus shows up. And Jude is writing to Christians and he gives the reminder to remember. And you've heard it. Be careful. Stay with the word of God. It's so unfortunate. I have classmates that are now Jehovah Witness. How does that happen? They didn't keep the faith. They, they, they deviated. They fell away. How sad that is. Oh, don't, don't let that be you. Heed the warnings. There's scandalous and substitutes out there. But for yourself, keep yourself grounded. Keep building. Keep 
praying. Keep loving. Keep looking for that blessed hope and clean up yourself so we're not embarrassed working out your own salvation. You know, a, an overthinker like myself can also can oftentimes put question marks where God puts periods. Sometimes I'll start doubting and sometimes I'll get myself defeated just because I've gotten the mental mess in my mind. You can rest assured and put your doubts away. Jesus Christ is coming again. If you can't see it in our world by how everything's changing, that this book communicated thousands of years ago on how it's all going to happen, it's just strengthening my faith to see everything that's changing and seeing how it's all coming together. I'm excited for what the days ahead are going to look like. But let me encourage you as Christians, resume the responsibilities that we already know we're supposed to do. Keep building your faith on Jesus Christ. But I want to show you as we close today where the rubber meets the road. Now, where uh, tire manufacturers, they go through tons and tons of tests before they put a product on the road. They go through checklist items to make sure that this tire is going to be safe for the road. And where rubber really meets the road is what we do with what we've learned. We can sit in this room today, and if we don't apply what we have learned... We might, have, we might as well take chapel off the schedule. Now, we're uplifting God's word, but we're uplifting it this morning in particular for application. And I want you to notice here with me, verse 22. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and if others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the, spot, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know, the Christian life would be, would be incredibly easy if it weren't for people. <laughs> I'm a really good Christian when I wake up in the morning and I read my Bible, but then people start coming into my life. Sometimes they can kind of get you rubbed the wrong way. It'd be very easy if it was literally just you and Jesus, but you would be the one that would be constantly struggling for his help like we, like we daily are. It'd be very easy to just do it by ourselves, but that's not how human beings were created. They were created to do life together. And and some having compassion, making a difference. Distinguishing between the weak and the willful. We ought to do all that we can to rescue others out of the snares of the devil. There's a distinct difference that I'm noticing here in this passage. Some having compassion. All in Christians who are heeding the warnings, who are all in with resuming the responsibilities, will make a difference because they've truly spent time with Jesus Christ. Because you have that time with Jesus, he'll wear off on you and you'll wear off on others. Hating even the garments spotted by flesh, making no provision for the flesh, seeking Christ fully all in whether it's a saved person who's gone wayward or an unsaved person who's still in the snares of the world, having compassion towards that person. And then as, as I'm out of time, let's look at the last point and we're finished. A faultless standing for you and I. Not because we deserved it, but because God is able and he's willing. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Where there is no sin, there will be no sorrow. 
How thankful I am that one day we will stand in the literal presence of God and be proclaimed as faultless. And now we must keep focus. We must be all in to the one who can do such a thing like that with a faulty person like ourselves. Now, all in is heeding the instruction. All in is not quitting, not just passing the finish line by deviating somewhere else, but being all in, finishing all the way through the race. It reminds me of a runner back in the 1968 Olympics, John Aquari. He was a Tanzanian runner in the 1968 Summer Olympics, and he was running the marathon. He said, I never thought of stopping. Early in the race, John was in an accident where he hit the ground hard, dislocated his knee, and severely injured his shoulder. There was not a chance. There was no chance that John was going to win. Not a chance. But he finished the race. He said later on as he was interviewed, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. He said, they sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Here you are studying for ministry. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. We need you. We need help. I mean, I truly believe we're on the cups of revival. I believe that. And I'm excited for it. I, I'm excited for what God's going to do here at Lancaster Baptist Church. If you're a senior, I'm excited for what he's going to do at your church that you're going to go to. I'm excited if you're a freshman who's still trying to find out, if, is this for me? Is ministry for me? Why don't you just volunteer and just finish the finish line unless God leads you to a different calling in life? Settle that fact and just commit to finish the race. I wasn't called until probably two or three years ago when I was already a graduate of the college. I didn't have a calling for ministry. I just said, God, I'm volunteering and I'm going to finish the direction that you have me in. And this was the direction that I was in. And here we are running the race, finishing to our greatest ability. God did not die on the cross to simply have you stop running the race. He died on the cross to restore a relationship the least we could do is look for his coming and build and pray and love and look for his return.